Martha Stewart, the original influencer. When I think about anything, I think about the way that she did it first. The media mogul. Five to six years ahead, she saw what was coming. The prisoner, the rise, the fall, and the reinvention of an American icon. Once Martha paved the road, everybody else pretty much copied her. A CNN original series, The Many Lives of Martha Stewart, now streaming on Max. Hi, I'm Antonia Blythe, and this is 20 Questions on Deadline. Joining me today is Alison Bree. Welcome, Alison. We got second place in my seventh grade lip sync contest for one of the songs on that album. The one that was like, you've already won me over. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. It's a very all slow. The, all the options. In spite of me. <laughs> like, what did we do? It's so slow. Don't forget to listen to 20 Questions on the Deadline. Thank you again, Alison. Thank you. Are you looking to step up to a 4K smart TV? One that gives you unparalleled clarity and picture resolution? Then we've got good news for you. Because the Vizio 65-inch V-Series 4K smart TV is now just 348. With all your favorite apps built in, you can stream straight out of the box. You can even sing along to all your favorite music and radio on the iHeartRadio app. Looking for a smaller or bigger screen? Vizio offers unbeatable prices on all V-Series 4K smart TVs. Head to Walmart.com today and score the 4K TV you've been waiting for. From football playoffs to basketball madness, TCL Roku TVs are the best way to stream your favorite live sports. With all the biggest sports channels, a sports zone with all available games in one place, and apps like iHeartRadio with sports podcasts such as The Herd with Colin Cowherd, cheering on your favorite team has never been easier. A big screen TCL Roku TV offers premium picture and sound quality, so you'll feel like you're right in the action. Find the perfect TCL Roku TV for you today at Amazon.com. Getting you ready for the day in sports betting. This is Point Spread Sunday on VSEN, the sports betting network. Welcome back into Point Spread Sunday here on VSEN, the sports betting network. Hour number two for you. We'll get back into the NBA and the NHL uh, as we have four games tonight one in the NBA, three in the NHL, all. Uh, of significant importance here as we go forward. So we'll talk to Pam Maldonado of Yahoo Sports as the PGA Championship final round uh, getting underway here shortly as we look at the tee times um, coming up for today in uh, in a field of of 70-plus players. 8.55 was the first tee time as uh, Colin Morikawa teed off along with Kevin Streelman. So uh, they are just getting underway at Southern Hills Country Club in Tulsa, and the weather really kind of has been the story of this tournament. You know, you, you get this crazy wind going on Friday uh, in the morning, and then it dies down in the afternoon, uh, and some players put up some really great numbers. And then, of course, yesterday, temperatures go frigid cold, uh, and so it was a, a much different day on the course on Saturday. So final round coming up, and we'll talk with Pam Maldonado of around 9.30 Eastern, 6.30 Pacific. Of course, point spread Sunday here till 10 a.m. Eastern, 7 a.m. Pacific, and still a lot to do here in the final hour of the program. Give me a follow on Twitter at Mark Zinno, M-A-R-K-Z-I-N-N-O. And let's get to the Major League Baseball slate today. Uh, full games, uh, plenty to get to here. We mentioned uh, with Joe Ranieri earlier a doubleheader between the Yankees and the White Sox. Uh, Yankees favored right now in both of those games. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see how the rest of that series plays out. So much of that you know, feud going on between Donaldson and Kennedy and then the alleged racial slur or racial remark. I shouldn't even call it a slur, but he, uh, if, if you haven't followed Donaldson referred to Kennedy, who's black as Jackie, 
and and uh, obviously Jackie Robinson is who he was referring to. And Donaldson claims that Kennedy called himself the next Jackie Robinson, and that's why he said it. But nonetheless, it's a uh, you get all this backdrop between these two teams, and of course, some of this dates back to the earlier series that they played. This is the last time I think these two teams will meet all year long in this series. It'll as if the regular season series finishes up, um, but. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me if these two teams met in the postseason here. So, but we're going to see how it goes uh, in game one before we make a wager on game two. Whenever I, I have a known doubleheader like this, uh, I probably stay off the first game unless there is a decided pitching matchup for me. Let me see how things go and unfold what guys are going to be available. What guys, most guys won't pitch in both games of a doubleheader. So whatever relievers may be used or how long the starter goes in game one will affect a lot of things in game two. So, We'll see how it goes from there, but that's certainly like a live in-game situation or a on-the-fly bet for game two. Let's start with my first play of the day between Washington and Milwaukee. If you guys have been following me and listening to me here on Point Spread Sunday, my first inning over-under half-run prop is one of my favorite bets in Major League Baseball. I've been pretty successful at it that year, at this year. We're going to go to Washington and Milwaukee, uh, Nationals and the Brewers. Now, both of these teams are actually top 10 in Major League Baseball in first inning scored run scored percentage um they're both over 33 percent of the time so one in every three games these two teams are pushing a run across in their first at bat however milwaukee is fourth in major in the majors in opponent first inning run scored percentage allowing their opponent to just score 20 percent of the time and they are fifth at home allowing their opponent to score in the first inning just 16 percent of the time the Nationals, not a very good baseball team, but however, they are 11th in Major League Baseball in opponents' first inning percentage run scored at 25%, so one out of every four games, and third in Major League Baseball on the road, allowing their opponents to score just 20% of the time in the first inning. Aaron Sanchez on the mound for the Washington Nationals. Uh, he's given up uh, a run in just two of his last five starts in the first inning, you get Freddie Peralta for the Milwaukee Brewers here, a, a much more dominant pitcher. And again, the Nationals don't really have the lineup uh, that pushes a ton of runs across in the first inning. So uh, I'm going to take the under here at minus 118. It's a little bit juicy. It's right kind of at my threshold. I always talk about the limits for this sort of prop and the same thing with K props. When it talks to the juice, you just have to learn to walk away. I'm below 20 cents extra. So uh, I can back the under here between Washington and Milwaukee. Yeah, I, I mentioned with Joe Ranieri, the Dodgers and the Phillies. Last night it was at 10, the total. It's now at nine and a half. Uh, but when you get Zach uh, Eflin and and Tony Gonsolin on the mound here, you mentioned Gonsolin, 164 ERA, 103 whip, has won three consecutive decisions, hasn't given up more than two on runs in any start this year. Combine that with Eflin, um, who is on the road this year, has an ERA of over seven. At home, Citizens Bank Park, his ERA is 1.13. He's given up just two earned runs at home this year with nine hits and a whip of .75. He struck out 11 batters in 16 innings at home. That's enough for me to take the under here. Um, you're, you're getting you know, a good price um, as far as the money is concerned. This is just way too much here. Final game of the series, 1 o'clock start after a night game last night or a late afternoon game, I should say, yesterday. Um, they'll, they'll kick things off at 1 o'clock in Philly. Like the under a lot here in this spot. This is also another game where I could take the first inning under a half run, and it's at plus money at plus 114. Uh, that's even better value than what I'm getting in Washington and Milwaukee between two pitchers, again, who Eflin statistically doesn't give up any runs at home, and Gonsolin doesn't give up any runs anywhere. 
So um, when I'm getting plus money on an under, because this this is so juiced to the over, it's almost like a contrarian play here. But still, I really, really like that play for both of these uh, games in the first first inning under a half run. But uh, under the nine and a half, if, if you're seeing nine and a half now, last night I got it at 10 for the total between the Dodgers and the Phillies. And uh, uh, I would still back it at nine and a half as well, given the two starting pitchers. Uh, K-props between Atlanta and Miami. Uh, the Braves have won the first two games of this series. And the final game of this series between Ian Anderson and Sandy Alcantara. Alcantara, sorry. Um, as all these names are jumbled in my head now. But nonetheless, I actually like both these pitchers to hit their over on their K-prop. Let's start with Ian Anderson of the Braves. He's over four and a half at minus 112. He has been much better against lefties this year, and he's been much better on the road. This Marlins lineup is a very righty-heavy lineup. They only have two lefties that play with any regularity. That said, still, the Marlins have the sixth-highest K rate in all of Major League Baseball. Anderson, as I said, been much better on the road. He's lasted deeper in the games on the road. Braves are going for a sweep here. He's going to be extra motivated from that standpoint to sort of try to elevate his team. And uh, I, I like him to get to five strikeouts here. Not too juicy at minus 112. I talk all the time about limits that I just mentioned a moment ago. When it comes to K-props, they're even stricter uh, because uh, there's way too much variance in, sh- in strikeout props. You know that that box that they put up on the screen? Uh, the ball lands inside of it. We all think it's a strike, but the umpire calls it a ball. I'm not willing to lose money on that sort of variance. So you got to be very strict with your limits when it comes to K-props. Sandy Alcantara is over five and a half. This is past my limit of what I want to pay at minus 134, but I feel really confident that it's the right side. Why? Because the Braves have the highest K rate in all of baseball, and Alcantara has been a very good strikeout pitcher this year. He's averaging almost a strikeout per inning on the season, uh, and he's at home, and this is just a lineup that strikes out way too much. So uh, it much favors him. If you can find an alternate line, and I haven't even searched for it, and I can look real quick, but if you can find an alternate K prop line, and they're out there at certain sports books where you, you take them over – Six and a half to possibly get to seven. If you're getting plus money, I don't think that's a bad way to do it either. Uh, and let me just look. Alcantara over six plus strikeouts uh, is seven plus strikeouts. Rather, is plus 140. So, um, it, you know, at, at six, you're paying minus 134 for him to get to six strikeouts. For him to get to seven, you're getting plus 140. Is one strikeout a lot? Yeah, it really is, actually. Uh, sometimes it's really hard to get that last strikeout. But... If you're somebody who, like me, who concentrates more on value than necessarily uh, what a, a line may be, I'd rather just lay the simple hundred to win one forty than have to lay a dollar thirty four to get back a hundred. Uh, and if it lands right on six, you know it, it happens. That's why we gamble, right? I mean, that's just kind of the way things go. But from a value standpoint, I'd feel better about losing a uh, hundred bucks when it lands on six than losing 134 if he only lands on five, if that makes sense. I guess it's just kind of how you you look at money and you value it. But nonetheless, it's just kind of the logic that I approach um, when it comes to K-props with. So uh, a couple of the games that are on the schedule that, that have piqued my interest, the Rangers and Houston Astros. Texas Rangers are one of the best run-line teams in Major League Baseball. At plus one and a half, uh, they are minus 118. That is a fantastic number. Um, to pay on a run line right there for one of the best run line teams in baseball. Jose Urquidy is not a very good starter for Houston. Uh, he gets banged around a lot. He's inconsistent. And then you look at uh, who is starting for the Texas Rangers, and Taylor Hearn is going. And he has been okay this year. He hasn't been great. His ERA is through the roof. But 
for some reason, the, the Rangers find ways to win games when he pitches. They've won four of his last five starts. I, I can't explain it. Um, I don't know why. When he's got an ERA in the fives, Texas keeps winning those games, but they end up doing it. Um, and in fact, they have uh, won three in a row uh, against some pretty decent competition in the Angels and the Braves. They beat the Royals there, too, as well. He actually had a decent start there. But nonetheless, you know, this is a guy um, the Rangers seem to be doing a lot better when he's on the mound. So I could conceivably take the plus one and a half for the best run line team in major league baseball, or at least tied for first with the Texas Rangers. So I don't think that's a bad play either. If you're looking for another, uh, another major league baseball play there. In fact, I may go down the road with that one uh, Mets in Colorado. Uh, you know, you get uh, Taiwan Walker going against uh, Austin Gomber. Gomber has been good at home for the Rockies. This is another spot where you're going to get a lot of juice to the over in the first inning run prop that I talked about earlier. Uh, as I just pulled a number up here for you. Yeah. I mean, it's the under is plus 130. Coors Field unders are hitting with more regularity than what you'd think. The over is minus 160. But these two teams have put up a ton of runs in this series. Maybe you'd like a little Sunday regression uh, in Major League Baseball the way it happens because you're getting backups and guys getting a day off and everything in there. But I could tell you at plus 134, that line is just moving as I'm looking here. Not a bad play to take the under there between the Mets and the Rockies. All right, coming up next, uh, one game in the NBA, three in the NHL. We'll get to all four of them and break them down for you. Coming up right here on Point Spread Sunday on VEASAN, the sports betting network. We'll be right back. Martha Stewart, the original influencer. When I think about anything, I think about the way that she did it first. The media mogul. The six years ahead, she saw what was coming. The prisoner, the rise, the fall, and the reinvention of an American icon. Once Martha paved the road, everybody else pretty much copied her. A CNN original series, The Many Lives of Martha Stewart, now streaming on Max. and this is 20 questions on deadline joining me today is allison Bree. welcome allison we got second place in my seventh grade lip sync contest for one of the songs on that album the one that was like you've already won me over oh that's a good one yeah it's a very all slow the, all the options in spite of me <laughs> like what did we do it's so slow don't forget to listen to 20 questions on deadline thank you again allison thank you Hey, Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was edited so well. I think you're so talented. Social media interactions are only positive when you use Zigazoo. Zigazoo is the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. Your kids can upload their content and see what their friends are up to. With Zigazoo, they can create videos, enter to win prizes, and try out the latest dances and trends. There's no commenting, no text messaging, and everything is 100% human moderated. Plus, all community members are real, verified kids just like yours. There are no bots, trolls, or AI. Because Zigazoo is about one thing and one thing only, and that is fun. Try out Zigazoo this spring break and let your kids share your vacation vlogs and best edits with their friends safely. Download the Zigazoo app today. That's Z-I-G-A-Z-O-O. From football playoffs to basketball madness, 
TCL Roku TVs are the best way to stream your favorite live sports. With all the biggest sports channels, a sports zone with all available games in one place, and apps like iHeartRadio with sports podcasts such as The Herd with Colin Cowherd. Cheering on your favorite team has never been easier. A big screen TCL Roku TV offers premium picture and sound quality, so you'll feel like you're right in the action. Find the perfect TCL Roku TV for you today at Amazon.com. This is Point Spread Sunday on VSEN, the sports betting network. Welcome back. This segment of Point Spread Sunday is brought to you by Zinn Nicotine Pouches, a fresh way to enjoy nicotine without all the baggage of cigarettes, dip, or vape. No more smelling like an ashtray, no more spit cuffs, and no batteries to charge or leaky equipment to deal with. Zinn Nicotine Pouches are smoke-free, spit-free, and available in 10 varieties like spearmint, wintergreen, citrus, and many, many more. And for your convenience, each variety comes in two strengths, so you can easily find the satisfaction level that's perfect for you. Zinn is America's number one nicotine pouch. They're available in over 100,000 locations nationwide, meaning it's never been easier to find your Zinn. So head on over to Zinn.com slash find to locate a store near you. That's ZYN.com slash find. Welcome back to Point Spread Sunday here on VEASAN, the Sports Betting Network. I'm Mark Zinno. Thank you for starting your Sunday morning with me and us here at VEASAN as we get you set for the full day of action here in sports and sports betting. Pam Aldonado of Yahoo Sports is going to join us coming up in a little bit as we get set for the final round of the PGA Championship. And can Mito Pereira uh, end up winning his first major and taking home uh, a, a just sort of huge upset win here. And we'll find out a little bit more about Mito because uh, I don't know. Yo no sabe Mito, uh, as they say in Espanol. So I have no idea who he is. Uh, first time his name has really come into my conscience. Uh, and that ought to tell you what sort of challenges this course has presented for a lot of people, uh, Southern Hills, over the f- past three days. Uh, but we are on Sunday here of a major. So uh, time to sit back, relax, and watch some golf as we get forward. But we also have a lot of hockey and a lot of NBA to get to here on this Sunday, particularly, again, um, the Warriors and the Dallas Mavericks here as the series heads to Dallas with the Warriors up two games to none. And I think the Warriors have played a very complete series so far. You know, game one uh, was about the Warriors' defense and their ability to slow down Luka Doncic. And game two was all about them making huge second-half adjustments and figuring out a way to break through on Dallas's defense. Um, but Dallas, you know, for all their defensive prowess, they've struggled with the secondary players for Golden State because it really hasn't been Steph or Clay or Draymond that has done a big part of the damage. It's been Jordan Poole, it's been Kevon Looney, and it's been Otto Porter Jr. over the first two games that have really been thorns in the Dallas side. And, and I get why Dallas hasn't focused on those guys because they're really not guys that you really need to focus on. You don't expect Kevon Looney to give you a 20 and 10 game, especially in the postseason, but. That's exactly what happened in game two as the Warriors made a huge comeback uh, and stole a game away from the Mavericks. Warriors have been on fire from a shooting perspective. They're hitting 56% of their shots from the field and 42% of their shots from deep. Now, these numbers are very similar to what the Phoenix Suns did over their first two games at home against Dallas in the previous series. As soon as the series shifted to Dallas, the Mavericks, well, their defense shifted into a different gear, and that's exactly what they did to Phoenix 
uh, and were able to limit them to 94 points in game three of the previous series. And I think that happens here again. But Dallas has to figure out a way to slow down the pace of the Warriors and limit their perimeter shooting. They, they can't allow them to shoot over 40% from three. It's just going to be a huge dagger uh, in anything that Dallas wants to do defensively. Of course, Luka Doncic continues and needs to have big games in this series. He did. He had 42 in game two. But his, again, while his points are up uh, in, in games in the last series that he's lost and his assists are down in games that Dallas has lost and it's flipped in games that they've won. His points are down, but his assists are up. What does that mean in short? Got to get other players involved. Dallas has to have more secondary scoring if they hope to have a chance um, to win this series. So I'm going to back him here because, again, I think the Mavericks are a desperate team, but it'll follow the same script as it did against Phoenix where Dallas's defense gets amped up and they'll start making more shots at home. And really, it's a question of in this game, uh, if if you believe that Dallas can win this thing, they've got to get the total to stay under. It's not that they can't win an over game, but their best bet is to keep Golden State from scoring, keep them to, to around 100, 101, 104 points in that range, under 105, uh, and Dallas can get up to 110 and be able to win this thing. That that's That's kind of the formula here for them to be able to win. I'm not sure. I, I don't think Dallas wants to get in a shootout with Golden State. They just have much better and are a deeper team from that standpoint. So Dallas in the under for me, um, separately, not in a parlay or anything like that, but this is still one of those deals where if Dallas wants to win this game, and I think they do, uh, they limit the scoring a whole bunch for the Golden State Warriors. All right, let's shift things to the ice because there are three games today of note, uh, including and starting with the Florida Panthers, the number one seed in the East and the number one overall team in the NHL this year, finding themselves in a 2-0 hole as they go to Tampa Bay uh, to face the Lightning, defending uh, Stanley Cup champion Lightning here, uh, looking like they are ready to win the Cup again. Now, I think the Panthers on the puck line, plus one and a half, is probably the right side, but it's minus 275, and I'm not going to ever endorse you paying that kind of money. Uh on a, on a puck line, run line, whatever it may be. It's just, it's not a wise investment. However, Florida on the money line is where I'm going to go. Uh, minus 114. It's much more amenable at that price. And I think this is a spot here where Florida, as a desperate team, is more likely to win. That said, the total in this game is at six and a half, and it's juiced slightly to the under at minus 124. But the over at plus 102, that's where I saw that last night. The line may have moved a little bit, but still. That's This is a game that you want to go over, uh, and it's got to go over because Florida is finding the back of the net. They've got to figure out a way to get past uh, Andre Vasilevsky, the goaltender for the Tampa Bay Lightning, who's been fantastic. This is a Florida team that averaged over four goals a game in the regular season, by far the best in the NHL. They're averaging just 2.7 goals per game in the playoffs and have yet to score a power play goal this entire postseason. They've got to fix that if they would like to not be in an 0-3 hole uh, in this series. So. Let's see how they shake out and, and see how they come out today uh, and should start fast in a game against uh, one of their in-state rivals here. Both of the games, by the way, have gone under in the first period total of under one and a half. The under in this game is plus money at 116 in the first period. Might not be a bad way to look from a value standpoint as well. Second game of the day, the Carolina Hurricanes and the New York Rangers. Hurricanes have a 2 nothing series lead as the series heads back to New York uh, for their first home game in this series at Madison Square Garden. A total of five and a half, uh, juice to the under at minus 134. Both the games 
in this series have gone under the total. It was a 2-1 final in Game 1, a 2-0 win for the Hurricanes in Game 2. It's a good sign for the Rangers that they've got their high-level goaltender back in this series because Igor Shosturski and the likely, the likely Venice Trophy winners, I have a lot of syllables here to get through, uh, returned to form so far in the first two games of the series. Was not that guy against the Penguins. Rangers survive in advance, which is great for them, but these are the type of games that the Rangers are more equipped and better equipped to play lower-scoring games. They've just had some really unfortunate circumstances and luck. In game one, they get a deflected shot that gets past Shesterkin, and they lose the game in overtime. In game two, it's a scoreless game. The Rangers are on a power play, and somehow they give up a shorthanded goal, and the whole entire thing just turned. Uh, and they never were able to recover. But the Rangers feels like that they have outplayed Carolina for most of this series, and hopefully that can continue here for them. Um, I think the Rangers on the money line, at even money is probably the way to go. No official play for me on this game. It, there's, I haven't really been able to figure out the Rangers or this series at all. It's not going at all like I thought it would going to, so it's one of those things where I'll pass. But if you put a gun to my head and said take the Rangers on the money line, I'd say, sure, okay, let's let's do it, especially at even money. I don't think it's a terrible play, especially uh, being down 0-2 and returning home where they're, they're going to be juiced to try to win that game. And then finally, Calgary and Edmonton tied at one in this series. Uh, this is a series where there have been 23 goals scored in the first two games. They scored 15 in game one and eight in game two, and the total here is a measly seven. Uh, and it's actually juiced to the under at minus 140. You go figure it out. I'm not going to try and fight it. I'm getting plus money to the over here. I can push it seven with a 4-3 final, um, you know, a 5-2, whatever it may be. There's no reason for me to think that all of a sudden they're going to stop scoring in this series. Both of these teams, Calgary and Edmonton, are first and third respectively in total shots on goal this postseason. Um, they are just firing away at will. Uh, at their opposition, and it's working for them. Now, you know, Calgary played a much more defensive series, surprisingly, in the first series against Dallas, uh, and they advanced as well in seven games. But still, this is a Calgary team that had 44 shots on goal over the first two games of this series. They will continue that pace. They will absolutely continue to, to blister Mike Smith with shots. Uh, the Edmonton, Edmonton goaltender, and I'm not going to look for ways that this thing is going to go under. I'm going to stay on the trend and ride it till it gets off. And, and, and right now, after 23 goals in the first two games, for me to ask for seven in this game, I don't think is too much of a stretch. Uh, all of a sudden, if things change offensively and they figure this thing out defensively, both teams do, then great. But uh, I, I'm not willing to to hop off the train yet. So give me the over seven in this game here, especially at plus money. So uh, that's the the slate for the NBA tonight and the NHL throughout today. Uh, of course, again, uh, we have game four between the Heat and the Celtics coming up tomorrow night. All right, coming up next, we'll turn our attention to the VGA Championship and who's going to walk away with a big, big trophy. Pam Aldonado of Yahoo Sports going to join us next right here on VEASAN, the Sports Betting Network. This is Point Spread Sunday on VSEN, the Sports Betting Network. Winning never looked better. Make free hoops and soccer picks for a shot at a sweet payday with the H&M Wear That Feeling Prediction Series. 
Enter three pools and compete for your share of $15,000 in total cash prizes. Head to DraftKings.com slash HM now to get into the action. H&M, to make everyone look and feel good, terms and conditions, and other eligibility restrictions apply, see DraftKings.com for details. Welcome back in to Point Spread Sunday here on VEASAN, the Sports Betting Network. I'm Mark Zinno. Give me a follow on Twitter, at Mark Zinno, M-A-R-K-Z-I-N-N-O. Uh, before the end of the show, I'll give you guys all my plays for today. But uh, let's turn our attention right now to the PGA Championship and the final round. And joining us from Yahoo Sports, our, our resident golf and tennis expert. She's a whole lot more than that, though. One of the best in the biz. Pam Maldonado joins us here on Point Spread Sunday. Pam, good morning, and thank you for being here. Hey, good morning. Hey, good Isn't morning. today such a great day for round four golf? <laughs> yeah, it is. Let's just hope the weather cooperates in Tulsa, Oklahoma, because that's sort of been the story, at least one of the storylines here at Southern Hills. You know, you have this this huge wind kicking up Friday, Thursday into Friday morning, and then all of a sudden it dies down. Friday afternoon, guys will be able to score some uh, cards, some really good numbers. And then yesterday it's frigid and it's cold and all of a sudden everybody fell apart. So uh, how much will the weather affect things in the final round, do you think? The weather looks better today than it was yesterday, that's for sure. We're not going to get that same weather conditions, but we are still going to get gusts. Potentially, it could be anywhere between 25 to 30 miles per hour. But we're not out there. We can't guess. So it's hole by hole dependent. It depends on the trees. It depends on the layout. So those those gusts, they're going to come into play, sure, but they're not going to come into play every hole. And they're not going to be here for the entire round. So the afternoon tea times, it could be pretty interesting. If the winds calm down, then Mita Pereira, he does have a three-stroke lead as of now. Um, potentially we could see somebody further down the board come up with a good score. What do we know about Mito Pereira? I knew nothing of him until yesterday uh, and really kind of the golfer that he was. What are the strengths of his game and do they play well to this course? He's one of the players that's kind of been working on one part of his game and having the other part kind of fall down the wayside. Initially, he was a really good ball striker. He took some time away off from focusing on that to focus on his short game. He became a really good short game all of a sudden, he's starting to putt really well, better than what he has been. He typically loses strokes. Now he's gaining strokes in consecutive events. Well, now, lately, he's been putting it all back together. In the last couple of tournaments, you see him, well, his ball striking is there. His tee to green is there. And he's a short game player that's already putting well. Combine the two strengths, that's a perfect fit for what you're looking for. We always talk about Scotty Shuffler, that he has great iron play and he has great uh, around the green game. Well, that's what Mito Pereira has been. He's been a great ball striker as of late, and now he's been a great putter, and now we're seeing him. It's paying dividends to what his form is in right now. You mentioned uh, the guys behind Mito Pereira, including Matt Fitzpatrick. He and Mito are the only two guys who are under par who have had all three rounds in the 60s through this mm -hmm. tournament. So Matt Fitzpatrick, again, three strokes off the lead. He's in the final pairing with Mito. Uh, what do you expect from Fitzpatrick today? If the wind was stronger like yesterday, I would love Fitzpatrick, and I think he has an opportunity here. If the wind dies down, you do have people like even Mito who can hold on to his lead. You have Will Zalatoris who needs to make a couple of putts. <laughs> but Cam Young, I mean, he's the longest I would say that he makes the most logical sense. If you were going to back any one player, Cam Young at 8-1 to one to come up from behind, um, he potentially here could make the mark. He The wind's not going to be as strong. He has some really great iron play. He's only he's 
five under. So he has an opportunity here. If there was one player that you were going to back, I would be backing Cam Young. He has really great iron play. He has really done some. His short game has really been phenomenal as of late. Um, he's also one of those players who team no putt. Well, he's putting really well all three days this week. So if he can have his putting game come into play, hold on to that iron game that's gotten here in the first place, he's off the tee, then he definitely has a shot here to contend. Follow her on Twitter at PamelaM35 for some great handicapping tips, golf, tennis, and football, and a whole lot more. You mentioned Will Zalatoris, Pam. Uh, he's been in this situation before where he's sitting in contention, heading into Sunday, particularly again at the Masters. He was there, or at least worked his way into contention halfway through the final round, and then things just seem to come up short. I know you mentioned his putting, uh, and he has struggled with the, with the putter a little bit, but what does he need today Outside of, you know, you know, hitting the ball well, but just in general, where should the focus be for him uh, to try and overcome this three stroke deficit? He's actually, Zalatoris has putted well this week. He has made some of those long and 10, 15 foot putts that he typically normally does, doesn't make. You're talking about the ones that are within five feet. Those are the ones that terrify me. The three-foot putts, those are the ones that he should be making. Those are the ones that he tends to not make. But he's actually been putting well this week, Zalatoris. What happened yesterday was he started out really rough. He had four bogeys out in the front nine, and it wasn't at all because of his putting. It was actually because of his iron shots. He missed the green. He hit into the bunker off a tee shot. So if he can, maybe some of that is contributed to nerves because he definitely cleaned that up as the round progressed. But if Zalatoris can hold on to his iron game and play with what he his strength is, which is his iron shots. And if he can find a couple of putts, I mean, you're talking about the top six players in the field right now who are at the top of the leaderboard. There's only two combined titles within that mark. You have one from Abraham Answer and one from Seamus Power. Everyone else, Mija Pereira, zero titles. Fitzpatrick, zero titles. Zalatoris, zero titles. Cam Young, zero titles. Nerves are going to come into play. This is an unknown territory for these players. I would say the one with the most experience in this position would be Zalatoris because he has been the last grouping in some of these major events. Um, so he definitely has a shot here to contend. I'm surprised that he started out with such a rough patch yesterday. If he can bounce back on that today. Mita Pereira, I think he's good for a good floor. You're talking about chasing some of the players who have a good ceiling. And that's Zalatoris and that is Cam Young. One more here on the PGA, and it's about two players we're probably not going to be talking about today, both in Justin Thomas and Rory McIlroy, who just carded 74s yesterday and fell apart, Pam. I mean, so frustrating to see. You thought after the first round, the way Rory finished up the Masters and played this thing, he was actually going to be able to call himself a major champion again after eight years, but it's not going to happen. Uh, did you diagnose it all? What do you think of the two rounds that those two put together yesterday and why they've fallen apart? I'm on board with you with being disappointed with Rory. I took a round one leader bet on him and I was super happy with round one. And then we haven't really seen that progression since. Um, I mean, he lost Rory McIlroy lost four strokes putting yesterday to the field. Uh, Justin Thomas, he lost his iron shots. That's supposed to be one of the best part of his games. Thomas was a player that I was never initially on in this tournament because there's always something wrong with his game in one of the rounds. It's either he's off with his tee, he's off with his irons, he's off with his short game. He hasn't collectively put it together. Now, Rory McIlroy is supposed to be the more consistent player, but if you have a day like yesterday, and he did, he was able to bounce back. He made a couple of birdies, and it looked like he was coming back into contention, and he just couldn't close out strong. But if you're losing four strokes putting, that is not how you're going to win tournaments. I would expect that McIlroy has a better chance today because he did have a really still, he was still really 
good with his ball striking, and he has been all three days. Um, I can see him finishing in the top 10, but anything progressive than that is difficult to do. And Justin Thomas, he finds a way. He finds a way to always stay within the top five, always stays within the top 10, despite where his game, his problems are lying. Um, if he can stay, if he can make himself a couple of buddy, uh, birdies, then Thomas can definitely stay within the top 10. But I would, my prediction would be that McElroy would have the better day. All right, let's pivot here to uh, the French Open as it gets underway this week. Uh, and really, the, the question is, with, with Rafael Nadal going back to Roland Garros, where he's dominated, and Novak Djokovic, Novak Djokovic now back on the tour after all the vaccine stuff and everything else, is it just a two-horse race on the men's side for these two? Absolutely not. You have Carlos Alcaraz, the 19-year-old, who's also on the same half as the as Djokovic, you have Djokovic and Nadal in the same quarter, but then you have the 19-year-old in, in Carlos Alcaraz, who's in the same half. Now, that's going to be the race. Whoever can make it through the quarters, the prediction right now is that we're going to see a Nadal versus Djokovic in the quarterfinal, and then whoever's going to win that will potentially face Alcaraz in the semifinal. That's pretty much going to be determined the title, because we have Stefano Tsitsipas. He's the Greek uh, player who has the bottom half. Pretty much locked in. It is a very easy draw for him to navigate through, um, potentially to where he doesn't even drop a set. That's how easy we're talking about. Now you have somebody like Nadal who's coming in with a chronic foot injury that could come into play. You have Djokovic who's coming into some of peak form right at the right time. And you have Alcaraz who's winning everything under the sun in 2022. So the most important part of the draw that you want to pay attention to is the quarterfinals and the semifinals, of which I can already say that if it is Nadal versus Djokovic, I'm definitely backing Djokovic 100%, whether he's an underdog or maybe even as a favorite. But I definitely think that could go full. And I'm going to be backing Djokovic to pull the upset against the King of Clay on his home surface. Follow her on Twitter again, at Pamela M35. One of the best in the biz, Pam Aldonado of Yahoo Sports. Thanks for the time this morning. Appreciate it. Enjoy this Sunday of golf and a whole lot more. Absolutely. Good luck. All right. So we're going with Cam Young here at 8-1, to one, according to Pam. So it's certainly a, a smart move. You know, he was a guy who was, uh, when this tournament went off, you know, was one of those sort of long shot guys in the 20, 30-1 to one range um, that had it. And if you're sitting there holding the ticket right now, you're, hard for Cam Young coming out. All right, coming up next, uh, we will wrap things up. I will get through my entire slate of plays, NBA, NHL, and Major League Baseball. That's all coming up next as we wrap things up on Point Spread Sunday here on VEASAN, the Sports Betting Network. journalism fascinating topics words that describe cnn's podcast the assignment with audie cornish we are revisiting the public school culture wars what have we learned from the kids who fought against book bans we really started the club to get students reading these books students have an opinion in this fight too how has the war over books sparked a backlash to the so-called parents rights movement it's not okay what they're doing and they're being watched listen to the assignment with audie cornish streaming now on the iHeartRadio app Billie Eilish and Phineas O'Connell, they're with us today on Crew Call. I'm your host, Anthony D'Alessandro. Billie's vocals. It was automatic art. You know, I had to, like, choose a more challenging route than just, like, da-da-da-da. You know what I'm saying? Like, it could have been, like, easier. And a lot of people have asked me, like, how did you choose to have it be so soft and, like, so simple? And what else was it going to—like, that's what the song wanted. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Crew Call podcast on Deadline. 
Have you heard about the social media platform for kids? It's called Zigazoo. It's a great place where kids like me can come together to make fun videos. Zigazoo is moderated by real live people who review content before it's posted on the feed. Oh, <laughs> I especially love the dance challenges. So much fun. Oh, and there's no comments or messaging, so you don't get any of that negativity that's all over other social networks. All oh, my friends love it. I love that it's kid-safe COPPA certified. Uh, I don't know what that means. It means it has built-in privacy protections for your online data. Uh, that's great, but I wouldn't be doing Zigazoo if it wasn't fun. She would not be doing it if I didn't think her data was safe. Zigazoo, the world's largest social network. For kids! <laughs> Download the Zigazoo app today. From football playoffs to basketball madness, TCL Roku TVs are the best way to stream your favorite live sports. With all the biggest sports channels, a sports zone with all available games in one place, and apps like iHeartRadio with sports podcasts such as The Herd with Colin Cowherd. Cheering on your favorite team has never been easier. A big screen TCL Roku TV offers premium picture and sound quality, so you'll feel like you're right in the action. Find the perfect TCL Roku TV for you today at Amazon.com. This is Point Spread Sunday on VSEN, the sports betting network. Welcome back to Point Spread Sunday here on VSEN, the sports betting network. I'm Mark Zeno. Give me a follow on Twitter at Mark Zeno. Final segment of the show, wrapping things up here at 10 a.m. Eastern, 7 a.m. Pacific. We'll turn it over to the Lombardi line with Mike Lombardi and Patrick Maher coming up next right here on VSEN. So make sure you keep your Dialed right on VSIN and on our website, vsin.com, to make sure that you can keep up with all the sports betting information that you need every single day right here. All right, my final uh, rundown segment of the show, as we always do here, full plays for the day going forward, starting in the NBA as Golden State takes on the Dallas Mavericks. Uh, this line is moving, as we were just discussing in the break, and it's moving fast. It's already up to Dallas minus three. Uh, and at this point, if you haven't put a bet on Dallas, and I'm backing the Mavericks here, I got them at minus two. Um, if you haven't put a bet on the Mavericks, I would wait. Uh, I would see if there's any buyback to Golden State um, to get this back to two and a half at some point. Um, you kind of missed the train at that point in time. And yes, it's the NBA, and don't fool yourself into thinking that it's one of those things. Ah, oh, what's it, how much is a point really going to matter? Yeah, it does. It always does. And in fact, Golden State uh, earlier this postseason won a game where they were two-and-a-half-point favorites, and they only won by two against Minnesota, uh, Memphis, it was. So, yes, uh, get the very best number you can. Wait at this point because I, I'd be curious to see if more money comes in on Dallas throughout the rest of the day. This game doesn't tip off till later on this evening, so there absolutely is an opportunity for um, this, uh, this thing to continue to move. I also like the under tonight. If you like Dallas, as I've said repeatedly, uh, you have to believe the under comes in. They've got to figure out a way to, to limit Golden State shooting. They can't allow them to shoot 56% from the field and 42% from three. If Golden State's able to do that again, Dallas is not winning this game. Um, I, they, they are not equipped to be in a shootout, even with Luka Doncic, against the Golden State Warriors. Luka put up 42 in game two, and they still lost. 
that or I tell you they need other people to get involved and they just don't have the other people to get involved. I'm not going to bet my hopes on Spencer Dinwiddie and there's no respect, no disrespect to uh, Mr. Dinwiddie there, but he's just not a good enough secondary scorer like Clay Thompson or, or anybody else that Golden State has at this point in time for me to trust him. Yes, I know he's had games like that in the playoffs. He had the game like that in game seven against Phoenix, but it's not enough for me to go to the well with um, to, to believe that they can win a game that goes over the total. So this thing has to stay under is where I, I'm, I'm essentially heading with all this. And I'm backing Dallas here, got them at minus two. And again, uh, the under 219 and a half, uh, despite the fact that Golden State ha- has so much ability to score, um, it, it, there's no reason to take the over if I'm going to back Dallas here. I just don't see it. If it comes in, it's because it's 115 to 105 is the final. And they make a couple of late buckets. It'll be that close when it's all said and done. So uh, let's go to Major League Baseball today. A couple of my favorite plays. Uh, You've heard me talk a lot about that first inning prop over under a run in the first inning. Washington and Milwaukee going to take the under here at minus 118. Both of these teams um, are very good at not allowing runs in the first inning. Milwaukee is fifth at home in allowing opponents to score in the first inning just 16% of the time. Washington is third on the road this year in allowing their opponents to score just 20% of the time. You get Freddie Peralta from Milwaukee as a starter. Aaron Sanchez for uh, the Washington National. Sanchez has held his opponent scoreless in three of his last five starts in the first inning. So uh, we will take the under in the first inning here, a half run at minus 118. Dodgers and Philadelphia. Uh, This is a game that I've kind of dissected several times over, but there's a lot to like about this game. Last night, the under was at 10. Now it's at nine and a half. I'm still backing the under one way or another. You get Tony Gonsolin going for the Dodgers, a 1.64 ERA, a 1.03 whip. He hasn't given up more than two on runs in any start this year. The Dodgers have won three three of his, his last three decisions all in a row. That said, Zach Eflin of Philadelphia has had bad numbers this year overall. Dissect him and look at his splits at home. He's got a 1-1-3 ERA. He's got a whip of .75. He's given up just two earned runs at home this year on nine hits. He struck out 11 batters in 16 innings. On the road, his ERA is over seven. That's where the numbers are really bad. Um, this is way too high of a number here for a Sunday 1 o'clock game uh, as they wrap up this four-game series here. So give me the under, 9.5 or 10. Where I got it at 10 last night. But also the first inning under. As that similar prop I just talked about is plus money at plus 114. So uh, between these two pitchers who are very good, Gonsolin and Eflin, um, I, I think you're getting incredible value. Now, full disclosure, the Dodgers and Philly are two of the highest scoring first inning teams in baseball. I think the Dodgers are first and the Phillies are fourth. Um, as far as the number of percent that they hit in the first inning, that they score a run in the first inning, which is why this thing is juiced to the under, not the over here. But I, I can play both of these given the starting pitchers. Atlanta and Miami, uh, looking at K-props here for Ian Anderson, over four and a half. Uh, at minus 112, the Marlins have the sixth highest K-rate. And Sandy Alcantara of the Marlins, over five and a half. It is very juicy at minus 134. Uh, I don't always recommend paying that. I talked earlier about looking for an alternate K-prop here to go over Six and a half, get to seven, you're getting plus money. Um, I, I think that's a wiser way to go. Uh, but I think Alcantara, when the Braves have the highest K rate in all of baseball, is uh, as a guy who's averaging one strikeout an inning, Marlins wanna, don't want to get swept in this series, so they're going to be extra motivated to win this game. I think they get a good start from Alcantara. It's a low-scoring game, probably, would be my guess. And if it is, 
both of these guys could go over their K prop. And then finally, I'm going to back the Texas Rangers um, on the road in Houston against Jose Urquidy. Taylor Hearns starts for the Rangers. The Rangers are the best run line team in Major League Baseball here. They're plus one and a half. You're only paying minus 120. It is a fantastic number. You don't usually see those plus one and a halfs on the run line paying that little juice. Um, but I will back Taylor Hearn, who the Rangers have won four of his last five starts. Uh, against Jose Urquidy, a guy who doesn't go deep into games, not a big strikeout pitcher. Texas should be able to score runs against him, and I will take uh, the Rangers on the run line here, plus one and a half uh, for a good price. NHL, Florida, and Tampa Bay. Give me the Panthers on the money line at minus 114 in this game. They've got to get their offense going. They have to five, figure out a way to wake up. They lost the first two games at home. They were both low scoring. They both went under the total. This total is at six and a half. It has to go over. It's it's almost a correlating bet situation. I know the Lightning can score, but the Panthers haven't been. This is a team that's averaged four goals a game, over four goals a game on the regular season. They're averaging just 2.75 goals during the postseason and do not have a power play goal this entire postseason. That is something that the Panthers have to remedy, but they are in a must-win spot here. Don't want to go into an 0-3 hole. Um, I like them on the money line here. As you see the numbers up on your screen, minus 115. You're not paying too much for it. The Panthers are the better team, and they've shown that throughout the entire regular season. They've just got to find a way to put the, bu- the puck in the back of the net with a little bit more regularity than what they've done so far, uh, at least in this postseason. Calgary and Edmonton, uh, that series tied at one game apiece. They have scored 23 goals in the first two games of this series. Calgary and Edmonton are the first and third team, respectively, in the NHL playoffs in shots on goal. They have more of them than anybody else. Um, They just continue to put a barrage of shots on their opponent, which is why they scored 23 goals. The total in this game set at seven. Normally, when you see during the regular season an NHL total of seven, you, you just automatically hit under and go. I'm not going to try to find a way to think that this thing can go under here. Um, These are two teams that score a ton. Uh, There's no reason to believe that they won't. The under is where this is juiced at minus 140. At least that's where I saw it last night. Um, I have the over at plus 114. I'm going to take the value, take the money, uh, especially since I can push this at seven and walk away with not a loss. Yeah, I'll I'll take the, uh, the, the, the over seven here in this spot at plus money. Uh, and think that these two teams are going to score seven goals again. Uh, I also like Calgary on the money line if it's worth it, but it's not something I'm, I, I feel incredibly strongly about. But Calgary on the money line, minus 118, also not a bad way to uh, to dissect this. And no play for me in the Carolina Hurricane-New York Rangers game. I would lean on the Rangers on the money line, plus 100 even money. Uh, just hard to get a read for me on this series. I don't get a good feeling one way or another about anything. None of the numbers have, have you know, led me to a certain conclusion. Plus the Rangers have been so schizophrenic, the New York Rangers, the the hockey team, not the one I just talked about, the baseball team. Um, The New York Rangers have been so schizophrenic the way they've played. They couldn't stop anybody on defense in the first series. Now they can't score in the second series. It's like just run around in circles, New York Rangers. But again, because they are home and they are desperate in an 0-2 hole, I would think that Madison Square Garden crowd would give them a little bit of push. Um, So if uh, you're a Rangers fan, you're looking to back them Knock yourself out uh, on the money line at even money. I don't think it's a terrible play at all. All right, that'll do it for us here on this Sunday. Appreciate you guys spending your Sunday morning with me here on VEASAN. Give me a follow on Twitter, at Mark Zinno, M-A-R-K-Z-I-N-N-O. I'm always willing to chat and talk sports betting with you guys, so feel free to DM me as well with any questions. 
or ask me my thoughts on any game out there. Appreciate all the uh, uh, interaction I have with the viewers and watchers of VSIN. The Lombardi line coming up next. Mike Lombardi, Patrick Maher, keep it right here on VSIN throughout the rest of your Sunday. You guys have a great weekend. Good luck with all your plays today. It's Mark Zeno here on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80, live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infinity QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. CNN Underscore's Guide to Sleep has tons of recommendations for products that can help you get the best night's sleep ever. All right, let's face it. Most of us have had trouble falling or staying asleep at some point. And there are a lot of products and hacks claiming to be the solution to our sleepless nights. That's why the CNN Underscore team spend hundreds of hours testing products to find the ones that can make a huge difference in the quality of your slumber. Visit underscore.com now for our ultimate guide to getting better sleep. Billie Eilish and Phineas O'Connell, they're with us today on Crew Call. I'm your host, Anthony D'Alessandro. Billie's vocals, it was automatic art. You know, I had to like choose a more challenging route than just like da 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 da. You know what I'm saying? Like it could have been like easier. And a lot of people have asked me like, how did you choose to have it be so soft and like so simple? And what else was it going to like? That's what the song wanted. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Crew Call podcast on Deadline. Zigazoo has made me zigzag. What I mean by that is I swore I would never let my kids on social media. But now I'm setting them loose on Zigazoo. Zigazoo is a space for kids to post videos they've created and to share them with other kids just like them. Videos that are moderated by actual people. And since there are no comments or messaging, you don't have to worry about social trolling. Zigazoo, the world's largest social network for kids. Download the Zigazoo app today.